0: Grace on Fire, episode 76.
1: Grace Nation, you've waited an entire week. Get ready for another power packed episode of Grace on Fire in three, two, one.
0: Hang on, Grace Nation. This is going to be a show, probably a show that I'm never going to forget. It's a show to stir you up, to get you excited get you out of your comfort zones, it's a show that I cannot believe in 2018 that we're starting off the year with this. And hello, Grace Nation, and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, your online pastor, and my goal is to help you craft your life for a higher purpose, and I hope that you find that your purpose is bigger than ever before higher than you ever imagined and it's a purpose that is getting you up excited every single day and that is what we are aiming for here on Grace on Fire and on today's episode we're asking the question what does it take to actually follow your dreams and to help me with this I actually am having a dream come true really it's something that I wouldn't have even imagined three years ago And that is is that I have a very special guest with me today on today's podcast, Mr. Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And before we get into this discussion this morning, let me just tell you a little bit about Cliff. Cliff, um, he's been known as the podcast answer man. If you go into iTunes and you look at the top 50 in the business section, Cliff, I think, has probably coached most of those guys Um, He is what I refer to as a coach's coach, meaning he specializes in mentoring coaches, consultants, and thought leaders through the transition from their unfulfilling day jobs. I mean, I've had unfulfilling day jobs. I mean, I'm a pastor. You say, oh, pastor, you ever have unfulfilling day jobs? Well, of course I do. There are times when I'm saying to myself, is this it? Is there more? And that is an honest human question. And I love how he phrases this in his description And what he does is he takes it and he says, how can we change this? How can we pursue the life of our dreams and to do the work that they feel most called to do? So let me just clarify something. It was about three years ago, maybe um, just about this time, and I was out jogging and um, was walking and was beginning to explore just some bigger questions in my life. And I discovered Cliff's podcast and Cliff's podcast, was at that time featuring and focusing on some major transitions that he was doing with his health. And I was so inspired by what he was doing and his transparency and his honesty in his podcast, something that I've tried to emulate here. And uh, I was so inspired by that that I began to follow him. And then two years later, I contacted him to help me develop the Grace on Fire show. And today I have the distinct, distinct privilege. Of having him on Grace on Fire, so grab your lattes, whatever you're doing, and let's get into the interview with Mr. Cliff Ravenscraft. And now it's time for our feature presentation. And hi, Cliff, 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 Cliff. I totally blew that. Welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) No problem, Jonathan. I am super honored. To be here, congratulations on the show that you have built. How incredible! And and what again? What a great honor. Thanks.
0: Yes. Well, you know, Cliff, uh, the honor is mine as well because uh, you you have laid a foundation of excellence over the past ten years in podcasting. And what I have found so amazing uh, to follow you and to listen to you and to see, as I said in the in the intro, the transparency that you bring. Uh, not only just to podcasting, but to the industry and to life. And I I just have to ask this question. As you examine your life, what has propelled you forward in this life to take the risks you've taken to accomplish the things you've done? I mean, it's amazing to me to see what you've accomplished.
1: I I think it's, for me, it's just the fact that I feel compelled at all times to be something greater than I currently am. I I, I believe that God has created me for a purpose, and there are good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do. I have some ideas of what some of those things might be, whether it be the Holy Spirit who led led me to believe what some of this vision of the future should be or whether or not it was indigestion after some pizza. I don't know. But I have some ideas that I feel like there's something beyond what I'm experiencing today that I'm meant to do in this world. And some of those things are so big that I just absolutely know that right now I am not the man I – I am not the man today that is capable of doing those things. And so I'm I'm i I'm always pursuing – every day, becoming more of the person who God created me to be. So it's, I, I just don't feel like there's ever going to be a time in my life where I wake up one, one morning and just get out of bed and say, I've arrived. So there's always something more. There's, I feel like there's this striving. I, I'm an achiever, no doubt, but I, I just feel this compulsion at all times. Whenever, whenever I get comfortable in life, And I find something that brings success to me uh, financially, in relationships, or whatever the case may be, when when I get to the place where things are pretty much smooth sailing, where I could get up and develop a pretty pretty significant routine, something that is easily repeatable, where the outcomes of those actions that I'm doing – are the the the, res, the results that I will get are predictable and what what I find is that before too long I I sit inside of what's called this comfort bubble or this comfort zone and I find myself incredibly bored with life and if I get if I stay in that comfort zone too long and and the the crazy part is is Especially when, it, when I think about things in the financial realm, when I get really comfortable about what, you know, what I've achieved at this level financially or what I've achieved at this level in my business efforts and what I've achieved at this level in reaching a certain number of people, I find myself – not only do I get bored, but sometimes I get just downright depressed. It's like I feel like, well, what more is there? And, and the reality is, is there is always more. And I and I'm just driven to to do more. I I believe I believe that God has wired me to to pursue
0: the life for which I was created. You know, I hear so many echoes of what you're saying in something that I've actually been focusing on, and and one of the things that I've been focusing on, and over the last uh, really three months, and part of this focus that I've been on was this this same kind of drive that you are you have just described. And this drive is this ongoing pursuit of growth, and so I actually started three months ago focusing on personal development, and um, I, and I actually wrote out or, 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 or wrote down in my uh, journal what is personal development. That's it, and that's essentially where I started. And then since then, I've been in the focus of studying positive psychology and seeing what psychologists say. And just recently, I came across uh, this psychologist named Martin Seligman. Have you, are you familiar with his work, Marty Seligman? I'm not. Okay, so this is great. I'm actually introducing something to Cliff's Ravenscraft. So what he basically argued was that human beings, we are are fundamentally future-oriented. And this is a huge shift from, um. it's a huge shift in psychology, which focused on basically alleviating misery, to actually seeing how human beings can flourish. And so it's been, it's really cool to hear you say that you're looking forward to the future. Now, here's something else that I I've learned with this, and I've said um, most people most people hear this and they say, "Cliff, you've built a huge, um, you've you've built something huge already. You built this uh, podcasting A to Z. You even talked about in your podcast how you walked away from uh, you know a six figure um, uh, business. You've reinvented yourself again, and I imagine that some people say." You know this, Cliff Ravenscraft. I mean, he's constantly doing this. Why can't he just be satisfied? I mean, what is the trap of uh, satisfaction and just staying in the bubble? What's the problem with that? Well, I think the problem for me is
1: that if i if I didn't reinvent myself and go out and try something new, then I am not growing. And and as I said, I, I I really don't believe that God put me on the earth to be known as an insurance agent. You know, I don't think that was my ultimate calling in life. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't regret any of the 12 years that I worked as an insurance agent in a family-run insurance agency owned by my mom and dad, which was guaranteed income. I would actually own that agency today because my dad just retired and sold the agency last year. So I would own it today if I would have stayed in it. But I knew that wasn't – I mean it, it served me and my family well. It got us completely out of debt except for our mortgage. Praise God for that. But and I helped a lot of people. And the other thing is, is man, what was the what were those twelve years of being an insurance agent for? Well, I think those twelve years were there for me to learn how to be an incredible salesperson. I, I've attended some of the most amazing tra- sales training seminars that are available on this planet. Uh, some of them are a lot are very. Um, Sleazy, and I know what to avoid and what I will never want to be a part of. I, I, unfortunately, have been trained how to use people's personal space to get them to sign a, you know, to sign their name on a contract. I've been trained some pretty weird things, but I've been trained some incredibly awesome things. And I believe that, you know, this this gift of of training when it comes to sales and marketing, when I am given the opportunity to share something with somebody that is going to be of their great benefit and something that they know that they need in their life but they don't necessarily they're not quite sure that they want it right now that I have the ability to come alongside and convince someone of that need and and I to I literally help people, helping people change their beliefs about who they are and what they can achieve and how quickly they can achieve that change in their life And all of the sales and training that I had as an insurance agent were just so beneficial. So there's that, and there was all the years of customer service that I learned. But then, you know, I left all of that behind because I discovered podcasting, and I felt that podcasting was this great opportunity for me to connect with a much larger group of people around the world to share my message with the world and and have great, powerful, positive and profound impact in people's lives through creating content online. And I found that when I put that content out and it reached tens of thousands of people around the world, I started getting lots of feedback. And there's this massive community. And and it got to the place where my 40-hour-a-week day job as an insurance agent was a distraction from what was being built over here, which I felt at the time was... Man, I I wonder what life would be like if I could go and just do this online stuff and make that my living because I'm miserable just stuck here as an insurance agent in this little tiny cubicle. So I'm like, okay, I I'm gonna I left all of that behind and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go do this. I have no idea how I'm gonna make a living doing podcasting, but I'm gonna try. And I I I go and the first year, uh, <laughs> actually first year and a half where the most difficult times financially I ever had in my life, which uh, was crazy, but I got through that and I discovered uh, this one stream of income, which just seemed to be the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing for me to do, and it seemed to be in great demand, and that was to become the world go-to authority for podcast coaching and consulting. And so I became that guy, the podcast answer man. And over the past decade, I've trained more than 35,000 people how to launch a podcast. And today there are over 1.5 million people, and that's a conservative number, but there are over 1.5 million people on this planet that if you brought up the term podcasting, they would bring my name into the conversation. But the crazy thing is is that over the past 10 years, I've done that, and I'm like, okay, great. That's been wonderful financially. But, but, but now when it gets back to it, what is my heart? My heart is encouraging others through the content that I'm creating. And I found that just spending all of my time teaching other people how to launch their podcasts, I'm not getting enough time – Creating the content that, that I feel most led to create and having the impact in people's lives. Now, don't get me wrong, I, the last 10 years, I do not regret them at all. Financially, I, it has been an extremely prosperous path for me. Uh, my business is, is pretty well off and I've helped tons of people, which means that my name is out there. That's incredibly awesome. But the reality is, is I know that I was not put on this earth for the sole purpose of answering your questions about which cable do you need to hook your mixer up to your digital audio recorder and how do you set up something called a mix minus. There are countless numbers of other people out there who are qualified to answer those questions for you. But there are things that are in my heart that I believe that not enough people out there are saying in this world. Not enough people are sharing the things that I feel led to share. And I even got to the place where back in September of 2000, actually, no, it started in January, 2016, but God gave me the grace of two years to figure out the transition plan. But uh, after a year and nine months after I decided that, you know what, I wonder what life would be like if I did not do podcast coaching and consulting. What if I completely gave up all of that to pursue even more concentrated exactly what God has put me on this earth to do. At least my, ten, you know, now that I'm, you know, it's like 10 years as an insurance agent, it became clear to me that there's something different God wanted me to do. And over the past 10 years, I'd been moving closer to it. And now for the next 10 years, it, it's very clear that, whoa, the, it, it, I'm even more clear about what the next two or three or four years are going to be. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pursuing that until it becomes even more clear to me what the next step is. So for me, the, the, the danger of staying in a comfort zone is the fact that if I'm not growing, I might as well go ahead and get busy dying because if, if I'm not growing, I've arrived. I'm, I'm there, and, and I know that I'm not there.
0: You know what's interesting, Cliff? I remember, and I don't know who said this because it's a quote that's circulating back in my mind. You actually might know the the source of it, but the quote is that most men die uh, when they're 25 and they have the funeral around the age of 74. Do you know what I'm, the quote I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I just heard you say that though, and that was very interesting because you said that if if I'm not uh, growing, then I might as well just start the dying process. And that, I think, is endemic to the problem of security because the problem with security says is that I want to be safe and I want to be secure and just so everything is there. But the problem with security is you never grow because life fundamentally is about growth. It's about risk. It's it's about trying new things. And I don't know about you, but I've become uh, just uh, fascinated with challenging Myself to grow into new spaces because I'm convinced, and I and I and I sense that you are too. I'm convinced that I'm still growing into the person that God has dreamed for me, and uh, and not just about pursuing your own dreams, but imagining something that God created us and He sees our full life and He says. You are special because I created you. And I, and I think that that's part of this in this conversation, if we could wax uh, theological for just a moment.
1: I, I, I want to say something real quickly, because you said something that just was an—I mean, it was a, just a little quick passing phrase, but but you, you discounted—like, slightly discounted a phrase there. You said, it's not just, you know, pursuing our dreams. I, I want to encourage us to pursue our dreams. Who's the author of our dreams? Well, I believe God. it's
0: yeah. I actually believe it's God.
1: So, so yeah, heck yeah pursue your dreams. <laughs> that, that, this is the thing. So, you know, we 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 go into you know read the Psalms and read the Proverbs, and it's like the heart is deceitfully wicked beyond anything. Blah 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 blah. It's like yeah, but guess what? We no longer have that heart when we have been we are we are under a new covenant, and Jesus Christ has come into our lives. He's given us the gift of His Spirit. We are new. We are in him, he is in us, and if we are in line with him, then the desires of our heart should be closely aligned, or at least as we progress and grow into more of who he's created us to be, as we grow, our our desires, the desires of our heart should become closer and closer to the desire of that I believe, I believe that the desires of our heart are going to lead us to the, the ultimate goal of where God wants us to be. Or, and, and again, I the ultimate goal of where God wants us to be is with Him in all times. So, I, I don't think we're finished until we're done with this place here on earth. But, but by golly, I, I spent way too much of my uh, young Christian life uh, just basically saying, Hey, I'm Christian now. Now I just have to be good and avoid bad because uh, I've pretty much achieved everything. As long as I stay in God, you know, as long as God's happy with me, I'm going to make it to heaven one day. And I got to tell you, I, I believe God wants us to not only have a, an abundant life in heaven, but I believe there's an abundant life for us here on this earth and an, ent- an entire journey. And it's not just for us, although it is for us. But it's also so that we can have a positive and profound impact and, and be a, a, a critical part of other people's lives becoming more of who they were created to
0: be. Well, actually, there's a leap of faith here, isn't there? And, and I think that the, the, um, the faith, and, and you're probably right, absolutely right, of, of correcting uh, the discounting statement there because we don't want to create a limiting statement of, of these dreams that are in our heart. And um, what I actually think is, is that as you grow— in faith as you grow in your understanding of yourself you likewise begin to understand and grow in god's grace and then you become more comfortable with yourself and begin to realize these potentialities that are inside of us this growth yes. and that in the the fun part about it is is actually exploring what those are and, and-
1: and the, and the thing is is and, and I know there are some my, that will hear and 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 I'm even starting to is like oh but wait we, we we're not free of sin you know well there are some it depends on what theological background you are um, I I come from the Nazarene background uh, I have a lot of the Nazarene background in me and so oh God like, bless you brother I'm so Hol- sorry holiness unto the Lord is our watchwording song <laughs> uh, and, and oh, boy I'll tell you what so but the thing is is yes there, there are sin and, and there are some things that are desires of our heart that are not worthy of pursuit. Um, but you know what that that's that's and and I shared with you before we hit the record before you hit the record button today. I'm a, I've become such a huge fan of God's grace. Oh, yeah. And and the leeway that he gives us to take detours along the path. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, and so e- even if a desire of our heart isn't necessarily something that God has placed there, it, it's amazing how God will oftentimes allow us to pursue the desire of our heart and take a detour and ultimately still guide us back to where we need to be on the path.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in my own experiences, where the detours in, in the journeys that I've gone through— um, but really, just the freedom um, that that the Lord gives us, and that by His grace He brings us back. And and like you, I'm becoming a, a greater and bigger uh, fan of God's grace each and every single day, because I realize and recognize the freedom that we have through the love of God. And ultimately, that's that's what's exciting about this. Well, Cliff, let's um, let's transition here for just a moment because we've been talking about this growth, and a lot of people they're sitting here and they're listening to it and they're saying, they may even be Christians. In fact, most of the audience here, is, uh, they are Christians, but they're not experiencing this this grace. They're not experiencing this growth. And so, you know, what have been some of the things in your life that you've looked at where you've said, hey, these are some things that are, that have kept me from growing? How, how, what, what do we call those and, and how do we get, it, get past them? Well,
1: I, the, in the personal development, uh, aka personal growth, And, oh my gosh, heaven forbid us Christians be a part of the self-help movement. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What we call them is is limiting beliefs. And beliefs are things that we have basically believed to be true. These are statements that we have tied certain emotions to. And 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 these emotions, uh, specifically, they're they're statements that we have become certain of. That doesn't, by the way, just because we've become certain of them doesn't make them true. And just because a lot of people believe them doesn't make it true. But what we have are a lot of beliefs, and there are some beliefs that are just downright limiting beliefs. And beliefs that – I want to share a couple with you that, that, that are limiting beliefs that I've had in the past and that I've also, as I've been working with people over the last several years, helping people not just create a podcast but also helping them create a profitable online business so that they could actually leave their unfulfilling day job and pursue the work that they feel most called to do in this world and to live the life of their dreams or the life for which they were created for. And so in a lot of those, just because by the fact that I am a Christian, I am very open and authentic about who I am and stuff like that, I, I tend to attract a Christian audience as well. So the, the, the limiting beliefs that I had to get over are the same ones that I see over and over again, especially among those who are
0: Christian in my audience. So, Okay, first, so I, I got I to stop for you for just yeah, a second. Go okay? go right ahead. Because this is, this is hugely important. Because what you just said was, and, and this is what I heard you say, is that Christians can have beliefs about themselves that are not true. Yeah. Right? And that these limiting beliefs are, um, they're actually things that, we could call them lies, we could call them whatever you want, um, but they are things that are having some kind of impact and, in their lives, and they're not growing then as a result of that, Right. Okay, so let's. I'm. I'm just dying to hear what your four are. So let's get into that.
1: All right. So the first one is I don't have the money that I need. So somebody's thinking, oh, this is great. Um, You know, Cliff said he left his career as an insurance agent, but that's only because his. You know, and he started his own business because. Uh, you know, he wanted to do something different. But I heard him say in passing that he and his wife became completely debt-free except for the mortgage. Well, I'm not quite there. I don't have the money I need. It's, you can go on and on and on. But there are people who believe that they cannot begin to pursue a different life other than the one they're living now because they simply don't have the financial resources that they need to do so. And – that is, that is a limiting belief. It is not a truth. It is simply a belief. Now, oftentimes, people who say this, I, I, have, those conversa- I have the conversations with people, and I say, well, tell me something. Um, how much money are you able to make doing what you're doing now? Okay, and they tell me. And I say, well, what else can you do in your current occupation that would increase your income? And by the way, how much income would you need to be able to get to the place where you do have the financial resources to pursue the life for which you feel God is calling you? And they tell me what the number is that they feel like they need, and they tell me what the maximum they can actually achieve in their current occupation. And I said, it seems pretty clear to me that you need to change. You need a change of occupation. So, so something's got to change here. There's got to be some kind of place. But the reality is, is that. Um, I've actually taken – with every limiting belief, I've evaluated that belief to say is this actually true and is there there an empowering belief that is the antithesis of the limiting one that if I believed it to be true and I found it to be true and I acted in my life as if it were true, could I change my life? And so the antithesis of I don't have enough money – is I and I say I actually recite this every single day. I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want. I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want. The resources are there. We our heavenly Father has the cattle on all the hills, right? We we know that scripture. Yeah. But but we don't really take it to heart. the The resources are there. So the question is – is but the, I want you to think about that in paralleling statement. The important thing is the things we truly want. So I remember going to a Dave Ramsey event, a live event where he's teaching people how to become financially debt-free using his baby steps. And it, it's what got Stephanie and I started. And baby step number one with Dave Ramsey to get out of debt, even though you have tens of thousands of dollars in credit card and other unsecured debt – Baby step number one is to create a one thousand dollar emergency fund, and so at this live event, Dave Ramsey says, "Listen, I want you to create your third. I want you to create your uh, one thousand dollar emergency fund within the next thirty days. I want you to decide today that this is what you're going to do. There are no other options. There's no other possibility. You will do it. How many people here think that that is utterly impossible? And most of the people." Hands went up. Not, not mine. I was actually even if I did feel that way, I wasn't going to raise my hand. But a lot of people <laughs> raised their hand. This this seems impossible. You know, and a lot of these people put the admission fee to his conference on their credit cards that are maxed out. Right. 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 So so uh, then he sat there. He says, "Okay, now for those of you who think that this is impossible, let me ask you this: Do any of you have children?" And then a couple of them uh, responded, "Yes, I have a child, or I have children." If you had a child, let's just say you don't have health insurance, and there your child is sick, it, your child requires surgery, else they're going to die. But if they have this surgery within the next thirty days, then uh, it, it's like almost certain that they're going to make it through. But they need to be able to pay for the surgery. You have to come up with a thousand dollars within the next thirty days. Now. How many people in here feel like they still can't come up with the thirty the the thousand dollars, and nobody's hand went up. Anybody who has a child who has an illness that uh, surgery could fix it, and they what would you do? they would sell stuff they would you know it's, it's all, all of a sudden just because they believed it was possible, all of a sudden the thousand dollars within thirty days is instantly there. The reality is the thirty the thousand dollars was there for every single person in the room. Before, but they never thought about the fact that they tr- – it wasn't something they the, – just this arbitrary, well, let's come up with a $1,000 emergency fund. It's not something I truly want. You want to save your child's life? All of a sudden you truly want it. The $1,000 is available to you. Yeah, they'll go find the $1,000. They'll go find the $1,000. Yeah. And the $1,000 is there. I mean you're, you, you would go borrow from your neighbors. You would you – would, the, the money is always there. The financial, the resources are there, so so this is something that just has blown my mind when I got to thinking about it, and then when I heard this antithesis of I don't have and I don't have the money I need, and replaced it with because and by the way I just read this statement this this statement I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want, I just read that for the very first time in August of this year in a book called The Big Leap, by Gay Hendricks, and when I heard it. I immediately, instinctively said, oh, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I had the same reaction, Cliff, when I heard it as well. But, but here's what I, I want to tell you. There has never been a time in my life, and I am going to be 45 years old in 11 days. And in the 45 years that I've walked on this planet, there has never been a time in my life where I truly wanted something that I did not financially have the money to get it. Yes. Now, it may have it may have taken me a couple weeks it may have taken me a couple months at most maybe a year but there has never been a time where i genuinely truly wanted something that i didn't find a way to absolutely make it happen
0: i understand you just from my own personal history because uh years ago i mean we're talking uh 10 years ago now i made the decision to leave my career I was making hundred thousand plus dollars as a drug rep, pushing drugs, and uh, not not terribly different than insurance, I might might argue. But I remember the fear and the limiting beliefs of "I can't make this happen." Two years later, I made it happen, and you know we scrimped and saved. We did all kinds of things to make it happen, but we made it happen. Now, it wasn't an entrepreneurial activity. It was a, a personal growth activity in many ways, career, transition, et cetera. But I remember that. I wish I had had the empowering belief, though, that you just argued, because this is critical, because you've taken a negative, the limiting belief, I didn't never, or I don't have enough money, and now you've created an empowering statement.
1: Yeah. So we could, I mean, we could do an entire episode on that one, but I'd like to move on to a second one. Sure, sure. I, 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 I what about this one? Money is evil. Money's not evil. Money matter of fact, what is the empowering belief? Money is awesome.
0: <laughs> I I think that's got to be uh something I've got to put on Twitter. Money so, is awesome. I love money
1: it. Money is awesome. And by the way, Jonathan, I'm here for the record to tell you and I promise you I, you watch, you're, you're actually, now I know people are listening to us on audio, but Jonathan is actually seeing my video via Skype, right? Yes. Now, I want you to tell people if I get hit by lightning, I love money. Wait for it. I'm still here. Wait for it. I'm still here. He's still here. I'm still here. So check this out. So. Um, this is especially difficult for Christians, and, and it was for me as well, because I grew up, you know, my my mom still believes that that Jesus spoke in King James language. Um, really? But, yeah. We should do a should, podcast I, no, just on that. No, <laughs> I, that, she, she still believes that the King James—I'll never forget the time when she got very upset with me when I, I really got involved in my faith, and I, I she thought I was a part of a cult because I went to this Bible study group every Tuesday night as a teenager, and and she got really angry because this Bible study group I was going to encouraged me to get an NIV Bible. Oh my gosh! And she goes, Cliff, what are you doing? You should only be reading the King James version. And I said, Mom, why? She goes, because that's the way it's just supposed to be. And I said, Mom, what would you do if? if and I, my little brother, his name's PJ. I said, what would you do if PJ came up to you one day and exhorted you? She goes, well, I'd probably smack him silly. <laughs> I'd probably ground him. I said, and that's exactly why you shouldn't be reading the King James Version. Because if you open it up, it says exhort one another, which means to encourage one another. She had no idea what exhort means. <laughs> so, so anyway, check this out. First Timothy 6.10, King James Version, literally says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It literally says that. Yes, it does. And, all right? the, and we've all been raised on that. We've been raised. And, and it's like, well, money's not evil. It's the, it's, so, so people say, it. money's not evil. It's the love of money. But what did Cliff just say? He loves money. I love money. I do. I have a great relation. Money and I, we get along really well.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, Money serves me well. I serve money well. It's all good. So check this out. The NIV translation—now, Jonathan, you're a theologian, so you're going to be able to tell me if I'm wrong. And if if I'm wrong, not a problem because I'm going to fall back on another scripture just in case. But anyway, NIV supposedly is more accurate to what the actual meaning was. Yes. And it says in the NIV, for for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil— It is not the root of all evil. It is is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, here's what I will say is I believe that that is absolutely true, that that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. But I also believe that the love of money and and being okay with it and and acquiring it is also a root of of all kinds of good in the world. Look at most of the hospitals, what names are on them? Saint something or other, right? Right. Who were those built by? People with lots of money.
0: Right. That, you see what I'm saying? Well, absolutely, Cliff. I mean, in that you're 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 dead right on this. And um you know, the the key here, the key here, don't you think that some people are afraid of prosperity,
1: yeah. Because King James and NIV both say this. So, well, let's just say let's do it in the NIV because even the NIV is still a little scary for people. And, and by the way, it's so funny that you said some people because it's here's here's what the NIV says. It says, "For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil." Evil, and then then in the next words it says, "Some people, <laughs> eager for money." Have wandered from the face and pierced themselves with many griefs. Yes. Stay away from that money stuff. Gotta stay away from it. I do not need more grief in my life. I've got plenty of it, right? Mm. And and the and the biggest thing is, I'm afraid that if I pursue wealth, if I pursue money, I'm going to wander from the faith. But Then I'm reminded of Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, including money, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.
0: You know, I th- as I listen to what you're, you're saying here, and as I think about it, I, I, I am one of those who has come to a place in my life where I have recognized, we need money. You really need money. And you're absolutely right that what we do is we take, and, and, and so let's, let's, let's go a little theological for just a moment. What we do is we take different parts of Scripture and we hold them in tension with one another. And, and that's actually a limiting belief and an empowering belief. We can, we can actually use the same kind of terms, but flip them on the head. And what we do is we, we hold limiting beliefs, um, the, you know, the love of money is all the root of all evil, um, nothing can separate us from the love of God, creates a tension, and then we don't know what to do with it. And so then now we have this incredible tension, and the problem with tension is is that it actually keeps us from moving forward. And what I've actually heard you say is you've said, now wait a minute here, I need to actually address this limiting belief, um, money is the root of all evil, in order to move in advance and move forward. That's what I actually just heard you say. So That's exactly it. as a theologian, I'm saying to the world that Cliff Ravenscraft is correct, so we'll just go ahead and put that on the line as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right? But no, and you're right, because now, now the, here's the fun part about um, theology and studying church history. What most people don't realize is, is that most of the things that we hold uh, in, in the Christian faith, um, the theologians of the great past, Augustine and many others, most of them were funded by wealthy people. And and that's the, uh, you know, it's not a dirty little secret, it's just the facts that theologians, well, we spend a lot of time in our brains in writing paper and studying scripture, and that's, that's a good thing, that's something we should do. But there's always somebody that's been behind them that's enabled them to do that. And so I think that it's important that we realize and recognize that the prosperity of what you're talking about is linked to the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. 10. And we need to address this issue. And so I love the fact that you come out and you say, "I love money." I do love money. Yes, and I do too. So there we I go. Money.
1: I believe money can serve everyone as long as I allow it to flow through me. But we we won't go there. I, I have a third. I have a third limiting belief for you, and it's it's very closely related. The next limiting belief is building wealth is wrong. So this is different than having money. So a lot of Christians have gotten to the place where it's like, okay, I'm okay, money's not bad, it's not evil, I get that, I'm, uh, but I'm going to just acquire as much as I need, and I'm not going to be like those sleazy Israelites who tried to gather up more manna than they needed and it all rotted on them, you know, or that guy with the plenty of extra harvested crops and he goes and builds his own store barns and it all rots and he dies anyway, I'm going to avoid all of that. You know, I'm only going to have enough money in my life to meet my own needs. Yeah. And, and, I, will, and I will trust God for everything else.
0: The problem, though, is the word needs. Our needs are ever expanding, are they not? <laughs> it, well, exactly. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is, the whole idea, the
1: whole concept is that as—I don't know for you, Jonathan, but I know for a fact for me— and I know for a fact with a lot of Christians that I've worked with over the years that there is this limiting belief among us that building wealth is evil or sinful. Mm-hmm. This, this having more than you need to survive is greedy, it is, and it's wrong, and it should be avoided. And by the way, I believe that building wealth is worthy of pursuit, and I'll even go to so, so far as to say that God is the one who has granted me with the ability to produce wealth.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, a, again, I think this is true because this actually gets into um, something of flourishing and the idea of flourishing. You know, if you go back into Scripture and you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you know, God puts Adam and Eve in a garden and he gives them a command to cultivate the garden— and I love this idea of cultivation because, you know, we look at wealth, and again, you've are, you've done a very good job, an excellent way of of saying that sometimes we take wealth and money and we lump them up as evil. But if we take that and now we remove that limitation, and now we look at wealth as a, a fundamental—we don't even have to look at wealth for its wealth's sake, but just simply as a measurement, one measurement of many, of the fact that we are moving towards human flourishing, that we're growing That we're cultivating, we're building uh, the earth, that we're actually getting back to our original design is what we're actually doing. And I think that that's part of the problem here, and this is where grace comes in and empowers people to realize, to say that the work of their hands, the things that they're doing themselves, is God-given, it's God-designed, we're created, we're, we're created beings, we're creative beings. And so, if we just simply look at wealth as a measurement, and, and you, you know, again, you say, I love money. I know Cliff Ravenscraft loves money, but he also loves his kids, he loves his wife, and, and he loves all kinds of things. I love all kinds of things. But if we just simply just look at it and say, no, wealth is a simply a measurement, it also en- en- enables us to do greater things, which, again, becomes part of what, this, what I'd call a, an ecosystem, a flourishing ecosystem that says, hey, this is, this is a natural product of it and can be used for great good. Yeah, I, and,
1: and, and it is exactly it. I mean, just imagine if you are wealthy and you have more than you need and then all of a sudden you go out and you see somebody else who has a need and you're able to fulfill it because you have more than you need for yourself. It, it, it makes it a whole lot easier to go out and serve others with what you have. Yeah, I, I want to go back real quickly, and I just want to share with you two scriptures that really helped me get over that limiting belief, that this idea that building wealth is wrong. Uh, the first one is Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me, but remember— the lord your god for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today
0: yes yes and that and that is the key let me ask you a question so when you read that verse and you're wrestling with this what did that do to you what 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 happened in your mind two
1: things number one is there i've been tempted over the years to think it's because of how hard i've worked and it's all the unique ways that i've impl- implemented all the trainings and stuff like that and just the it, so much of what i have done is by the work of my hands you know i've built this wealth and w- if i actually believe that then what happens is that all of a sudden i start to get afraid because, if, because all of a sudden I'm like, well, what happens if one day I'm not as smart or as intelligent and I don't make great decisions? And what if, what if this is – what if I don't learn anything new? What if I don't have a new technique? And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. Understand this. It is, not the, it is not your power. It's not the number of hours that you've worked. It's not all of those things that has produced the wealth that you have in your life. It is – Remember, it is the Lord your God who has given you the ability to produce this wealth. And, and I remember there was the, gosh, I can't remember what year it was, but I, I give every year a theme. And I had this one year, it was called the year of, uh, the year of provision or God's providence. And I'll never forget the time when Stephanie and I, it was we were still in the early days, it's probably 2009, we were still in the early days of things really being financially difficult in our new business venture. And she wanted me to write this uh, check for twelve thousand um, dollars. Actually, no, it, she wanted a check for eight thousand dollars. But if I added up all the taxes that the business had to pay to match, and you know, Medicare and all that other stuff, and Social Security, it would have cost twelve thousand dollars for me to write an eight thousand dollar paycheck. Which you know, it, and by the way, we only pay ourselves once a month. And it was, you know, the kids were going back to school. They needed clothes and we had gone a couple months without a lot of you know, a lot of money. She goes, I need an eight thousand. And I, she goes, You said the money's in there. I said, Yeah, there's like there's about fourteen thousand dollars here. But if I write you this paycheck, if I write this paycheck, it wipes everything out. And she goes, Well, didn't God just bring this money to us? Won't he won't he help? I'm like yeah, but I think he wants me to kind of be smart about this too. And <laughs> and we were going back and forth, and finally I negotiated with her for down from $8,000 down to 5000 So that's $3,000 less that she would have over the next month, um, which is a significant drop. And the kids were going back to school and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, can't they get their – some clothes this month or this – and the next week? we'll get them some more clothes. And she goes, fine. And then so – and as I'm writing the check for $5,000 net, um, I just—I I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or indigestion. I don't know, because uh, God's never audibly spoke to me. But I felt the prompting that said, rip that check up and write it for $8,000. And trust me. And so I did. And Jonathan, I, I, I will tell you, I'm going to give you a URL. It's gspn.tv slash check. And I'm going to ask people not to go to it until – just a minute. I'll say it again in just a second. But what happened was I, I said, go ahead. I, I said, I gave her the check for 5,000 or she was actually writing the check. And I said, wait a second, void that check and go ahead and write a check for 8,000. And she goes, why? I said, just do it. I, I, I just, just go ahead and do it. And so she's on her way to go out to the bank and she stops by the end of the driveway and checks the mail. And inside the mail is an envelope. And she comes back into the house, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe this. And so uh, I open it up, and and there's a letter inside and a check. And this letter is somebody who said, Cliff, I just want to let you know I just found out about your GSPN, which is the Generally Speaking Production Network. Uh, A few months ago while I was doing some research about podcasting. Uh, listen, I, I, I saw that you, you know, accept donations for the work that you're doing and man, this is incredible stuff. And I've been following your journey for the last several months and I'm just so inspired by what you do. By the way, what I'm about, you know, you may be surprised and shocked about the size of my donation, but I just want to let you know, my company brings in about $12 million a year. I make over a million dollars a year and I hardly have to work at all. So don't worry about this. You've already earned this donation. And Jonathan, it was a check for twelve thousand dollars.
0: That's awesome. It was
1: all God had already put the. It was already in the mail. That's and awesome. Had no clue. That's and,
0: awesome. And,
1: and so God, so God communicates to me over. It's not your power. It's not your strength. It is not your hands that has produced wealth. I want you to know that I could call up anyone out there and put a twelve thousand dollar check in your. In your mailbox anytime I want. Now, I'm not saying that I sit around and do nothing and rely on God to put twelve thousand dollars checks in my. By the way, that's only happened one time. But he was, but that was a very clear teaching moment for me that th- it is not my hard work, hours, and working around the clock that I can trust in God to produce, to give me the whatever is necessary to produce the wealth that's necessary for me to be able to live the life for which he's called me to live. So I, I think and it reminds me of—well, um, also, let me just read another one for you. 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 17 and 18. Uh, Paul gives uh, Paul gives a command, I think, to Timothy, some instructions for people in his community. And he writes this. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world to get rid of all of their money, lest they be cast into hell and blah, 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 blah. No, that's not what it says.
0: No, come on.
1: <laughs> here's, what, here's, what t- here's what Paul actually wrote. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in that wealth, which is so uncertain. But instead to put their hope in God, by the way, in God, who does what? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let's camp on it. Who God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, people. Command those rich people to do good, to be rich
0: in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So I'm at this point really just letting Cliff preach because he's doing an awesome job here. <laughs> but Cliff, you're right in the word there, the critical word of which that verse pivots on is joy. Yeah. We sometimes do not trust joy. We, we feel positive emotions and all of a sudden we go, oh, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Some, mm, I shouldn't be feeling this good. And and again there's another podcast right there something that I'm 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 fully focusing on these days is just the the importance of allowing the positive emotions to develop in our lives because you're absolutely right because it's the enjoyment that it, it you know okay so we're we're having fun here correcting each other today because one of the things that you said was you said well I'm not sure if it's the holy spirit or indigestion let me just say it's not indig- indigestion a burrito will never bring you to say the things that you've just said only revelation inspiration and revelation and i think that's the critical piece here because you're right it's joy and what we're not saying is that money brings you joy that's not what you're saying, right? I want no, to be not okay. at all. No, no. I, yeah, what my, are you saying? Team. What brings the joy?
1: The, what brings joy is whatever it is that God's called me to do, and actually
0: doing it. Right. That's the key. In other words, the wealth is. In some cases, sometimes it's a byproduct. Let me give you a great example of this. Um, one of the missions that I work with is in Guatemala. And in Guatemala, I go to—it's a city dump. So, so, Cliff, let me put this in context for you. I go to—we uh, have two missionaries down there, and um, they go into a place where the, the, uh, the local residents literally comb through the garbage in the Guatemala city dump to eke out a living. They may make $1 U.S. dollars a month. Sometimes it's less— and they um, eke this living out just to survive. Now, the missionaries that I work with, they go there. And when I talk with them, they are, they are faced with overwhelming poverty, overwhelming circumstances. I mean, it's incredible. And yet, they find incredible joy in the work, now right. they're they constantly need money and that's 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 a separate subject um in order to support that mission but that's the thing we're not saying that there's a one to one ratio between wealth and joy what we're actually saying is that wealth really is just one of those measurements that you look at and if you get preoccupied on it 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 can become this trap that you're talking about Yep and I I love that because the 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 industry the prosperity um you know God, God's empowered us, he's given us, he's equipped us to go out and cultivate and to, and to build, and he needs wealthy Christians uh, in order to move forward and to move the mission forward. That's how it works. Um, and, and the wealth belongs to him anyway. That's right. That's exactly right. And um, so you're absolutely right. This is a massive uh, limiting belief. Do you have, do you have an, one more for us? Uh, one more,
1: and, and boy, this one might get me booted off your show. Well, let's uh, see here. The, the, so, so limiting belief number four is putting myself first is wrong.
0: <laughs> okay, so I, I'm just going to let you camp out on this one. Go right ahead before I respond. <laughs> All right. So, so sometimes we're in, in our Christian life,
1: we, we 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 start the ranking system of where where our priorities should lie. God's always first, others second. And then blah, 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 blah. That, you know what? By golly, first of all, well, I, I won't even go to the God first. I think God isn't first. I think God is in everything. But let's just say if I, if I just want to agree with your ranking for just a moment, I'll go ahead and put God first. But by golly, I come second. I'm next in line. And I believe that Jesus told me to.
0: Okay. All right, let's I'm, go, heresy. We're going to go on a little heresy, Hunter. Let's go. What did? Where did Jesus tell Cliff to put self so, first?
1: <laughs> so basically, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were trying to bring the man down. Right. Right? Uh, and this is in multiple places, but we'll, we'll just camp out in Matthew for just a moment. Chapter 22, verses 34 through 39. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And my friends, I have a question. How can you ever love your neighbor if you, as yourself if you have not first
0: loved yourself? No. This is critical, Cliff. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're onto something here and I, and I wasn't really sure where you were going to go with this and, but in my mind, when you first said it, I immediately went to the great commandment. Now, so, I'm going to ask you a question, because this, this is very good stuff here. In order to love God, you have to love yourself. All right? That, that's almost important. Why? Because as you love God, you love yourself. As you love yourself, you love God. Because at the center of this great commandment and the second great commandment is a word that keeps popping up, and the word is your Over and over again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, right? And then he ends it, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice he's putting all of the emphasis on you. Yeah. And you're absolutely right because the self-deprecation— that says no, I'm not good, I'm not this, or I'm not that. All of these limiting words that we put on ourselves actually has a detrimental impact on fulfilling those two great commandments.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's no, it's no secret that we as Christians don't always have a wonderful track record of loving others. Well, that's true. So, and, and we're often very judgmental of others. We're critical. We condemn them. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're, exact, we're doing exactly—I would, I would propose that we are doing exactly what Jesus said. We are loving others as we love ourselves. Because yeah. you know what? The reason why we're condemning others and critical of others and hateful to others and say mean and nasty thing to others is because that is exactly how we love ourselves.
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: That's exactly how we treat ourselves. We we condemn ourselves. We 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 put ourselves down. We judge ourselves. And I will tell. I, there's. I didn't look it up, but I'm sure you'll you'd be able to probably tell me off the top of your head. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Zero zilch none. Yeah. Absolutely. But yet we want to condemn ourselves, condemn ourselves, condemn ourselves, and then we go and look at other people and condemn them. And so, like, no, love yourself. And the only way you can stop condemning others is that you first stop condemning yourself. The only way you'll stop judging others is stop judging yourself. The only way you're going to start giving to other people generously is by first giving to yourself generously. The only way that you'll be able to share wealth with others is by first allowing wealth to be shared with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and I, and I think that when I, when I listen to you, Cliff, and, and so for the audience, I'm watching you right here on, on video right now via Skype, and I'm seeing the enthusiasm that you have. And so I'm going to ask you a personal question. Sure. When did you get to this realization of what you just discovered because this is this is this is the very essence I mean of grace because it, I think it, that the part with Christianity especially if we are we are and and I actually well I don't want to go I don't want to down anybody so I'm not going to do that I was going to point fingers at somebody who won't do that but what I will say is that one of the great great problems within most Christians is they don't fundamentally grasp the love and the freedom that they have in God and that's the hard part about this is that you know Jesus is oh, he's so good at this because he's putting he's putting us right in the hey center. Folks, Cliff
1: Ravenscraft here from Hold Podcast on. Answer Man. Sorry, I was looking up a scripture. I was looking up the date for something, and I typed in the wrong URL.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. That's all right. So we're going to get back to this, folks. It's okay. No, no. Jesus puts this right at the center of this, and then he's almost challenging us, because if you go through the Gospel of John over and over again, you you find this fundamental love, this declaration of love that God the Father has and that God the Son has for us, and yet we've always, we don't love ourselves. But I'm going to suggest that true salvation, that true faith comes in breaking free of condemning ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. In so many ways. And so long as we stay in this limitation, and, and sometimes I, and I don't know, Cliff, we may have, we may have uh, escalated up. We should have started with this one and then worked backwards, but actually I'm glad you, you brought it here because this is the critical piece of this. When I fought what I have found in my ministry especially, that when people break through this, everything else falls in line. It is the key belief that most people are struggling with. It's the yeah. incredible love, the forgiveness, the grace, the empowerment that comes at this place. This is the intimate place between God and man. It really is. Um you had something I, I know you wanted to share, but I just so, got super you, excited. Well
1: you asked me the question when when did I come to realize this? Yeah. When yeah. when when did this all come through? And it and it's been the it's been a process that started right around September twenty eleven. Okay. And um, at the time, I had, you know, basically lived an entire life of just this very overzealous evangelical Christian and uh, with whatever theological background that comes with going to Baptist church, Nazarene church, Wesleyan church, Pentecostal church, Assembly of God church. And by the way, not to mention eight years of Catholic uh, uh, religious education, going to mass every Friday in a Catholic school, even though I was the only non-Catholic there. Um, so, do, b- b- by the way, while on the weekend, going to those other denominations uh, as a child. God so, bless you, brother. So, so, so <laughs> I have I have some baggage, my friend. Oh yeah. Uh, and boy, was I. I mean, I was a Pharisee. I, I you know, and and what happened was I met this guy named David Foster. He was a pastor down in Nashville. He's passed away, unfortunately, a couple years ago. But he became a very dear friend of mine. And um, one day he was doing a podcast episode on his podcast called uh, A Renegade's Guide to God, which unfortunately is no longer online. But he, in this one episode, he said there, he goes, you know, a lot of people believe that they have a relationship with God, but they don't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, instead, what they have is a relationship of, with usually one of three things. And the first one is a relationship with an institution. And I'll never forget the number of years that I used to boast that when I was 15 years old, I went to this Pentecostal church, and I went every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for a year and a half, and I never missed a Sunday. Yeah, that. I, I had that going on in spades. I definitely had the relationship with the institution. Hmm. All right? Then um, there is the relationship with a moral code of conduct. As long as I – you know, if, if and, and I was there too. As long as I was doing the things that I believed God required people to do to be worthy of the name Christian, then God and I were good with one another. But anytime I failed to live up to that or anything I did that violated that, God's mad at me. God's angry with me, his wrath, and he's, he will punish me. So I I literally had this I had a relationship with a moral code of conduct, and the, what was the third one? There, the uh, so there was uh, the institute. Oh, in the third one was information about God. So they may they feel like they have a relationship with God, but what they really have is a relationship with information about God, and that is. You know, I read my Bible for, you know, 90 minutes a day every single day. I studied this. I studied that. I, I, I know the original Greek words for all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. I have it memorized. And, you know, I could recite scriptures off the top of my head if I wanted to, and I used to, to impress people and myself. And the interesting thing is I, I've had this crazy, you know, history of, of me and God over the years. And here I was in September 2011, and I'm I'm sitting here pursuing something that I feel is you know this is this is all about something that is a desire of my heart, and I'm trying to build this thing. I've left my career in insurance, and you know this thing is going extremely well. But I'm also a part of this local congregational gathering. Uh, aka, some people called them the church, but I have a different understanding of what the church is than than a building uh, where people congregate on a weekly basis. But anyway, Shh, stop it. <laughs> so i was I was a part of this local congregational gathering. and and the thing is is that while I was building this business and things were tough financially, they wanted I, I agreed to be a small groups pastor for them. So I led small group Bible studies in my home. But then all of a sudden they came up with all of these extra things that if you're going to be a leader of a group, we're also going to expect you to do this and this and this, which added more days of the week, things that I never agreed to. And then when I actually went to them and said, I'm sorry, I, I can no longer do these things, but I want us to do this. Well, we can't make an exception for you. And I said, but you don't understand. I don't feel called to that. Not only do I not feel called to that, I've got other things, other obligations. And they said, no, I'm sorry, brother, but God calls all of us to do it. And I'm like – and I started feeling guilty, and I started to, I started to question, man, have I gotten to the place where I, I – I, and, and this is what I came to the conclusion. I, God had never broken off his relationship with me, but I had re, I had replaced – I had replaced my relationship with God with the, with the relationship with all three of those other things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so I, a friend of mine came to the house, and she was carrying this book, and it was called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore by Wayne Jacobson and Dave Coleman. And I said, what's that? And she told me about this book, and that night I couldn't sleep. And so I pulled up my Kindle— And I downloaded that book and I literally stayed up all night long reading that book. And I will tell you, uh, the next morning I had a conversation with my wife. And since September of 2011, I have not attended a weekly congregational gathering. Mm. And I have embraced something that somebody spoke to me, a word that somebody spoke to me that was life altering. And they said, Cliff, God is not only not angry with you, he is madly in love with you, and he is thrilled with you mm-hmm. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to fully embrace that. And today, Jonathan, I'm absolutely 100% convinced that God loves me unconditionally. There are no conditions. I believe that he he pours zero condemnation on me. I believe that when he sees me, he sees me as pure and holy as his own son. And I believe that he is thrilled with me and gets jazzed whenever I decide to embrace his presence. And that has radically altered my life. And because of that, I've come
0: to actually get
1: thrilled with me too.
0: You know, what you just described is what I like to call grace on fire, because that's exactly what it is. I mean, when you begin to embrace what you just said, nothing seems impossible. Nothing seems like you can't accomplish it. The world... Changes. Everything changes around you. It opens up worlds of possibility that you cannot even possibly imagine. I'm not even talking with Cliff right now. I'm just talking to the audience that Cliff has just described what I what I like to call a salvation experience, and it's really being saved from you know evangelicalism. And I and I I am. I consider myself an evangelical only because I'm trying to throw a life raft out there um, to people and say, no, don't don't go down that road. Just because you think you do all these things that you know Cliff just described, you're, you're still missing it, and it's possible to miss it all. And um, but when you get to that place where Cliff is, where you've you've crossed over, the, you've crossed the Rubicon in so many ways, you. It's incredible to see the, the feelings that come out of this. And and I've experienced this too, Cliff. In fact, um, being a minister and, and actually being a minister of a local congregation, and and I still believe in the local congregation, Cliff, so uh, we'll, 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 cool. we should and, talk about I, that like a whole hour. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I'm cool with that, that but uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no. But what I mean by this is that when you cross this, these, you know, we talk about limiting beliefs here that suddenly everything shifts in perspective. And the perspective shift that you've had and that you've just described is really what so many Christians have to go through. And I think that part, this is part of the process of just Christian growth. So we talk about personal development. You know, we, we, we sort of at the beginning of the show picked on self-help and yes, Christians need self-help. Um, this is a critical part of our overall, what we would call theologically, the sanctification process. And so many Christians out there have not crossed that yet because of the different things on there. So Cliff, I have have a a request for you. Would you do us a favor on the show and would you just read through those four limiting beliefs one more time so that we could just give a summary of it? Um, Because I think that this was so critical.
1: So the first one is I I don't have the money I need to pursue whatever dream God's placed on my heart. So I don't have the money I need. And the truth is, I always have plenty of me I always have plenty of money for all of the things I truly want. The second one is that money is evil. And I actually believe that money can be evil, it can lead to evil things, but I think it can be awesome and I love money. All right. And then number 3, building wealth is wrong is the third limiting belief. I believe building le- wealth is not only a worthy pursuit. But it is something that God has gifted us with the ability to do. All right. And then the fourth one is putting myself wrong is, or putting myself first is wrong. And I believe that we should put our own oxygen masks on before we go and try to put the one on our kids.
0: And I, and I think that that's such an excellent summary. You know, so Cliff, I want to ask you a question here as we get towards the end of the show, and I can't believe that we're already an hour and 15 minutes into this interview. I feel like you and I could probably talk another two hours just about the, the theology of all this, which is what I love to do. But here's the question that I want to ask you, and this is sort of the closing question here. Um, when you look far into the future, all right, and you get to the end of your life, and then you look back at your life, what do you what do you hope to accomplish what what is that that vision that you have
1: i hope to close my eyes and wake up and hear the words well done good and faithful servant
0: nothing better nothing sweeter than those words of affirmation from the holy father Cliff, thank you so much for coming on the show, being a part of Grace on Fire, and sharing some of these, these personal testimony and your, your background, because I, I'm, I know and I'm convinced that this is going to help so many people uh, just to hear the stories that you've given. Thank you so much. I, before I let you go, just you know, a couple of minutes here, I just want to give you the floor here and just tell the audience about what you do, how you help people, and how they can find out more about you.
1: Sure. Well, over the past 10 years, I've helped more than 35,000 people successfully launch an audio podcast. And through that, my greatest joy has been helping a lot of those people discover their message. And once they've discovered their message, they eventually came to this place where they started asking themselves the question, oh my gosh, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead, which I believe is, is sort of an awakening to the dream that God's planted inside of them, and that's is, is some, that's actually them being called into uh, this life that they were created to live. And so I've been able to walk a lot of people through that journey from the unfulfilling day job into running a profitable online business that allows them to do the work that they love and live the life of their dreams. And by their dreams, I mean the ones that they have come up with as the result of their relationship with God. And so um, I don't only help Christians, but I, I, I help people become more of who they were created to be. I, I love helping people change their beliefs about who they are and what they're able to achieve in this world. I love taking people who struggle with limiting beliefs and help them shift their mindset and, and become empowered to go and take on new challenges in life with great excitement, joy, and fulfillment in life.
0: And, and I how I do they-
1: that— they can find me over at CliffRavenscraft.com.
0: Yes, Cliff Ravens, uh, CliffRavenscraft.com. Not the Podcast Answer Man? You can go to
1: PodcastAnswerMan.com and it will take you to CliffRavenscraft.com. <laughs>
0: By the way, I love the new website. Just have to go online and, and uh, or excuse me, go on air and say that. That's awesome, man. It's, it's really cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this show. Cliff, thank you so much for being here on the show. It's been great to have you. It's been my honor, my friend. Thank you so much. And that brings us to the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you walk away from this and you feel an incredible inspiration. I hope you've experienced a new fresh breath of wind of salvation in your life. And let's get over those nasty little limiting beliefs. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the spirit be with you now and always. Amen. You're listening to Grace on Fire, a Verve Creative Production. For show notes, links, and more, please visit mygracenation.com.